0: Do you want to make more dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts
1: podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade buy, make
0: amends, and Trade Addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF Family of Podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City. And this is the Superflex Super Show. Still talking strategy. We're not going to stop anytime soon. Uh, At least that's my plan. That's my preference. And uh, uh, an interesting thing has happened here on this uh, on this path that we've been following talking superflex strategy. Uh, I did a, a a live show a, a superflex Super Friday last Monday night. you heard me right don't don't correct me that <laughs> that, that was by design. Superflex Super Friday on a Monday and uh, uh, just to just to start to get your thoughts, superflex, super friends. And we got a lot of questions about best ball. And I have to be honest with you, I don't play a lot of best ball, especially Dynasty. Uh, but I know that it's a, uh, it's a very popular format. So I brought on just the best possible guest that I could imagine for this format. It's ridiculous to me that uh, I have not thought about reaching out to Nathan Powell much, much sooner but we get him here to talk and and i mean the thing is nathan there's a lot that that we could have that we could talk about like you're also known as a commissioner uh you you've been known for uh for some debbie stuff in the past and i know that there are a lot of competencies that we could have hit on but i just couldn't think of any bet anyone better to help with the uh the the conversation on best ball strategy. So, thank you for coming, and I'm sorry that it that it took so long.
1: Oh no, I'm I'm excited to be on John, and that that opening. Like, have you considered a career as like an MBA like PA announcer <laughs> from Michigan State University? Draymond Green, like, you know, you
0: can, you can I off. like it.
1: <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I'm definitely excited to talk some talk some super flex, talk some best ball, um, and yeah, best ball was one of my first loves. Um, so. For those that are familiar with uh, Brian Malone slash Brian uh, he's off and on been like a DLF forum guy and been a DLF writer. One of my favorite guys in the industry, I actually met him um, a couple times once uh, recently at SFB, uh, SFB Chicago. Um, but Brian Malone uh, introduced me to uh, Best Ball Dynasty. Uh, he, he was on the DLF forum. This was back when I was really getting into Dynasty, adding way too many leagues over the course of a couple of year span. <laughs> Um, but he started a league called slacker dynasty and basically it was a, it was a baseball dynasty league that had no in-season waivers. Um, it had in-season trades, but, but basically no maintenance in, in the season other than, you know, making trades if you want to make trades. Uh, and I fell in love rather quickly uh, because th- this was back when MFL 10s were all the rage. And mm-hmm. I was a huge into those, um, not obviously the volume that some others did with hundreds or thousands of MFL 10s. I probably paid like 40 or 50 years, something along those lines. But anyways, it was a case of combining my love of MFL 10s with my love of Dynasty as both those things were blooming. And so that was my first Best Bowl Dynasty League with, with Brian. And I fell in love rather quickly and ended up being like, okay, look. well, Brian's not going to commission 18 more leagues. So I got to start doing it myself. And I, I created a, a segment of leagues called the MFL 10 that never ends up with one, two, and three. Um, basically it's a best ball dynasty league that there's, we, we, in those leagues, we have no in-season transactions. It's solely, um, you know, at the, at the kickoff, it's the trade deadline. You can trade from January until late August, but after that it's over. Um, so we can talk about, you know the different types of best ball dynasty as we get into this, but yeah, uh, I fell in love with, with best ball in large part thanks to Brian. So, shout out to him. Uh, but yeah, best ball dynasty is probably my favorite way to play because, like I kind of mentioned, you know, joining way too many leagues too quickly <laughs> It does help on that end. That way, you're not setting 24 lineups at you know 1258 on a Sunday.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's uh, that's a big part of it, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Like, it, it just gets hard to to keep up with so many different leagues, especially when you've got to, you know, set lineups. And then particularly, you know, you get those last minute injuries for some people that means, you know, going through, you know, 50 plus rosters and making sure, Oh, I got to make sure I don't have that guy in any of these lineups. So it definitely makes things easier. And, and it kind of makes me curious because we just had Scott Connor on a couple weeks ago, talking about his portfolio he, dynasty. He, he, is,
1: he is a sick man. He needs... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: he is, but there's there's some brilliance in his strategy. And, uh, I, and I just, I, I can't help but wonder if, you know, if it would make it that much easier if he didn't have to set lineups too. Like how many leagues would he be in?
1: Is- well, yeah, no, that's the funny part. I actually have this conversation with, with Scott specifically is he said he doesn't like best ball dynasty, because he likes the advantage of he knows that he isn't going to mess up a lineup. He knows he isn't going to mess up a waiver claim because he's so organized with all his spreadsheets and stuff like that. Yeah. That there is a, you know, X percent advantage of when you know you're always going to set your lineup and not miss injuries. Whereas you know, you know, let's say four percent of the time someone in your league is gonna mess that up. And therefore you're gonna have that advantage on them on a week week basis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I'm 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 one of those people. I'm not great at setting a lineup. Um I mean I've got some leagues where it is an advantage for me just because you know I pay attention more than, <laughs> than most people, but that's that's not an actual advantage. That's uh, that's a disadvantage on their part. But it does it it uh it 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 is definitely very tempting. I think the big reason that I haven't taken the plunge is I mean a big part of it is I haven't spent enough time kind of thinking about the strategy of it and I've been doing more of that this off season um but also you know I I <laughs> I yeah I think that that's that's honestly the 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 biggest thing it's just yeah. it's just not having that strategy and that's why sure.
1: You know. I, I think that w- one of the big detractors for people who aren't a, a big fan of baseball dynasty is that mm-hmm. people often think about how you're often when you're, you know, you're looking at your sleeper pages, looking at your MFL pages, like, usually the best ball league is the one that you go to last because you don't have to set a lineup for that one. And, you know, people just aren't gravitated to those pages as much. I don't personally have that issue when I'm, you know, scrolling through my leagues, I don't skip past my best ball ones, but Ryan McDowell, a guy who I've tried to like, you know, lure into the best ball realm. And uh, he's been in a couple of best ball leagues over the years, but every single time the the year ends and Ryan's like, I just don't like care about it as much as, (laughs) as my other leagues, which is fine. That's just, that's just how it ends up being. So it's kind of one of the things, one of the things that, if there's a mental block there where like you're just, you just aren't going to care about the best league as much as your, you know, lineup league, then it might not be the best format for you. But one of the, one of the things that I like to promote best ball with is that in a lineup league, when you're setting your lineup and you're, you know, week to week, you're rewarding the best lineup, the best nine players, the best 10 players. What I love about best ball is you are rewarding the best 25, the best 30, the best 35, however many roster spots you have. You're having the best 30, the best 25, not because you're scoring from 25 people, but if your 22nd, 23rd, 24th guy is getting startable weeks, like, you know, once or twice a year, you should be benefiting from that. Whereas in lineup leagues, like, let's say, like McCole Hardman outside of like a very deep league, like, you're not really starting McCole Hardman very often. But on that week that he goes, like, four catches for 72 and two touchdowns, like, that's a very startable <laughs> week, but he's just sitting you on your bench because you're so afraid of starting him.
0: Right. Right. So I, uh, I found an article that you wrote back in 2015 and, uh, it was kind of a Q and a on best ball. And you were mm-hmm. kind of talking about, um, you know, taking more of a, of a depth approach, which it sounds like kind of what you're, what you're talking about here. You just, you, you want to be strong all the way through the roster, uh, where a lot of people are going to take kind of a studs and duds approach and feel like, you know, most of the time my scoring is going to look you know, really pretty similar on a weekly basis, except for, you know, every now and then I'm gonna get one of those boom be- boom weeks from a you know micole Hardman, and I'm gonna get to capture that um, having him on my bench. But for the most part, I'm gonna be just fine with, you know, with with Jamar Chase and Stefan Diggs uh, in my wide receiver spots, and then you know, so I'm I'm not really looking for anything from my quote unquote bench. And I'm curious because I, I mean, I think that I come down on, on your side of this, but I'm, I'm also curious. I mean, 2015 was a while ago. <laughs> I, I wonder if it's evolved at all. If it's, if anything has changed with, you know, different names coming and going from the league.
1: So I, I think that the biggest thing that you see from a year to year perspective in dynasty and, and in best ball is that there is some safety in the studs and duds approach because the studs very often are staying studs from year to year to year. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm sure you, you've seen uh, Clutch Fantasy, Jacob Road. He always posts that graph of like how like if a player is a wide receiver one, they're probably going to be a wide receiver one again and so on and so forth. Yeah. And so with the studs and duds approach, there is a bit of more of a safety of, okay, this guy is great. He's going to be great year. Jamar Chase is going to be good in 2022, 2023, 2024. Whereas if you have the depth approach, those players that are like the, the 10th to 20th best players in your roster Yes, it might be good to have that depth in in the you know current time, but it's much more likely that those type of players don't carry as much value year to year because they're going to look like, like one example would be like a Nico Collins. Like ne- Nico Collins would have been in that 10 to 20 range last year. And then uh, the, the next year comes and John Metz gets drafted. We're obviously not, notwithstanding the whole uh, cancer thing. Mm-hmm. But what I'm, what I'm saying is that when you do the depth of in basketball, it's good from a short-term perspective. But I don't think it's as good a, from a long-term perspective because those those middle players don't hold their value quite as well as as those top ones.
0: Yeah. So does it the the settings? Does that does that play a role in what type of approach you're going to take? You kind of mentioned that even within best ball, there's there's kind of multiple subcategories, and there's kind of yes. you know there's they're the ones like you said where you you're not making transactions. Um, you, it's just. Draft it and you know, like Eliminators is kind of an example of this as well. Um, and then there obviously that's a, a redraft, but in Dynasty, it sounds like there's some of that as well. And then there's some where you do some uh in season management,
1: yeah. So I, I i have one best ball league, um, with, with, uh, with Eye of the Gator, and it's literally the only best ball thing about it is best is like the scoring. Mm -hmm. Um, We have waivers week to week. We have trading throughout the season. We have a playoffs, which is very uncommon in, in, in the best ball format. And in that league, I basically treat it the exact same way I do uh, a normal league. Uh, The the only part that I slightly change is so in a typical league, I will a typical lineup league. I'll reserve in a 20, let's say 24 roster spots. I'll reserve roster spots like 19 to 24 as like developmental guys. That's my third run rookie picks, my fourth round rookie picks guys that I don't expect points from in, in the current year. Whereas in that specific format in best ball, I'm trying to just accumulate as many points as possible. So I'm going with the Byron Pringles. I'm going with the, uh, you know, uh, Equinemia St. Browns. Like I'm going for the guys that I think could get on the scorecard this year because yeah. it's so much more valuable in that format where it's week to week and waivers and trades that, you don't want to have a guy who's just you don't want. I, I like I said for one example I have Jordan Love on that on that team and that just kills me every single week cuz you can't like, you can't cut Jordan Love but Jordan Love isn't really scoring points outside of like the two weeks that Aaron Rodgers had covid right um so one aspect of looking at like the best ball strategy there would be you have to look at how many roster spots you have and you have to look at the format and decide can you afford to have those developmental players or Sorry, are, could you say that? Can, can you afford to have those developmental players or, or are you better off just, you know, riding the, the hottest waiver ad of the week?
0: Yeah. I'll, yeah. And, and then so kind of in the, uh, in those formats where you're not doing in season management, it's really kind of, I, I don't know. It, like that, that one feels like that could go either way. Like I could, I could see the application for, you know, heavy depth, Um, you know, trying to get as many points all the way through your roster as possible, but I could also see, (laughs) and, and there's, there's a little bit of realism to this. Sometimes there's, there's psychology, uh, a lot here, which, uh, that, that we talk about a lot on this show. And I know is something that, uh, um, that resonates with you as well. The psychology, psychology of dynasty in particular, you know, you kind of think about, um, like there's, there's kind of a mental block to this part that sometimes people might have to get past. And I wonder if it's, if it's a viable strategy or not, but to me, if you're able to convince your, if you're able to, uh, rationalize this, but if you put together a team that you know regardless of your depth you've you've got you've got your kind of your anchor player you've your players you've got your studs if you lose one of those players for the season you're kind of in trouble for the season anyways especially if you can't make transactions so it almost uh, so i could see a strategy i could see an application for just going studs and duds and saying you know what if i have uh, you know i've got jonathan taylor on this team and then I've got, you know, his backup, uh, whether it's, you know, Jordan Wilkins, Philip Lindsay, whoever that ends up being, whoever is the handcuff mm-hmm. that, that player is worthless to you until Jordan or until Jonathan Taylor gets hurt. But then mm-hmm. once that happens, you know, the odds of you being able to survive that loss anyways are pretty small. So it, it almost feels like, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more important to, first of all, to handcuff him. And second of all, just kind of, um, you know, just kind of give yourself some, uh, some, some deep lotto tickets.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't get what you're saying. And yeah. The, the, so the way I would categorize the, the three categories of best ball I, I would talk mm-hmm. about would be best ball with open transactions, waivers and trades, best ball with just trades and best ball with, with no transactions whatsoever within the season. And I, I think that one of the biggest parts of best ball with no transactions at all in season is the roster construction. You know, when you're talking about MFL tens back in the day, or we're talking about you know best ball mania three, or uh, you know now people talk about okay, you want X amount of quarterbacks, X amount of running backs, X amount of wide receivers, and tight ends. Um, and so the biggest thing, the, the biggest strategy component I have for those types of leagues is looking at the quarterback and the tight end positions. Uh, so uh, my biggest thing with the, those type of leagues is you want the safety. You want this guy is going to keep his starting job all year. And in Dynasty, you want you want this guy to keep his starting job for years to come. Mm-hmm. You're going to value those. Like For me, I am very scared of Jalen Hurts in Dynasty um, because I, I don't necessarily think that he's a locked-in 2023 starter. I think he's a 2022 mm-hmm. starter. He's going to score t- points in 2022. But I don't necessarily uh, agree with that being the case in 2023. Therefore, he's not a guy that I would want to roster in that format because there's that uncertainty with the, the job year to year. And that, that's definitely something to worry about. And I want some more job, uh, you know, I, I value that job stability a little bit more in best ball because like, for example, let, let's say Jalen Hurts is your your QB three in, in a super flex league. And whether it's best ball versus, uh, traditional season management. In traditional season management, you can plug and play, you know, Jalen Hurts on bye weeks or whatever it is, and play him based on matchups in, uh, you know, a seasonal league. But in a best ball league, you're much more reliant on him keeping that job to be scoring you, you points on a week to week basis. Um, so that's why I, I try and value. And I guess this might be a question for you: Is how how good do you think us as dynasty players are at projecting job security? So I I think that I I think that I might over account for our ability to do that. Like, I think that we might, like, I don't think Jalen Hurts is a starter in 2023. I could be way wrong on that, though.
0: I love that. I love this question. And I love this kind of this, uh, this, this train of thought just in general. Um, And I, I I mean, I think that I'm with you that it's not, I, I, I don't think that we're as good at it as, as, you know, we like to think. Particularly, I you know we talk about so you know here on the Superflex Super Show we talk about the quarterback extreme strategy quarterbacks early and quarterbacks often uh, talk about the Superflex flywheel which is you know the just the the way all four positions kind of they give you uh, they you know they input energy into this machine essentially and it's all different ways and then just kind of distributes it throughout the machine however you need it and a big part of the advantage at quarterbacks, a big part of what quarterbacks kind of contribute, it, you know, first of all, it's definitely the scoring, but it's also at least the supposed longevity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, you know, all of a sudden, this kind of came out of nowhere, but now we're worried about Ryan Tannehill's job. We're worried mm-hmm. about we're we're people are worried about Tua right now. You know, they there, there are a lot of guys. Jalen Hurts to me is a that's a that's a slam dunk, and it's when if and when he gets benched, it's less about Jalen Hurts and it's more about the fact that Gardner Minshew is right there behind him. I think, but like, yeah, there's there's so many of these guys that all of a sudden it's like, you know, it, it, it felt like such a safe pick just a, you know a year or two ago, and all of a sudden it feels like. Man, I like. I need to. I need to scramble to find a replacement before I lose this guy. So, mm. I think that's a great point. I there's I, I've, I've got a lot more that I could say about that. But, um, but this is your time. I want to. I want to. Oh yeah, get...
1: no, no. I I, I I'm not. I, <laughs> I I like to bounce things off off. No,
0: I part. like it. Yeah, um, and yeah. I'm a I'm a talker. So like, You're if ready. you if you give me the opening, I'm gonna go. So <laughs> <laughs> so be careful with that. But yeah, I, like. This is, uh, I I think that that's super important. And uh, I think that there's a lot of strategy and just a lot of theory, not just best ball, but just in general, that's getting missed by this concept.
1: Yeah. And for moving to the tight ends a little bit for best ball, my personal tight end best ball strategy is I'm not ever worried about getting the George Kittle, getting the Travis Kelsey, getting the Mark Andrews, because that it's, it's such a high premium price. And when I have those guys, I'm looking to move them for running backs and wide receivers in best ball, whether it's super flex or one QB best ball is all about those running backs and wide receivers. And so if I have value at tight end that I can turn into wire receiver or tight end, then I'm looking to do it. I traded uh, George Kittle for DJ Moore a couple years ago. And the reason being is I'm not worried about averaging like 14 or 15 points per game at the tight end position. I am. I would much rather get three or four tight ends and have them combine in a best ball to average nine to 11 points and sacrifice those four to five points and get those points elsewhere than if I were to pay the premium price or, you know, keep the premium price on my roster of a tight end and then, you know, get that. And that's also because even the greatest tight ends, they aren't scoring the 14 to 15 every week. Yes, they're going to have the occasional, you know, 21, 22 point week. But, you know, even the most elite tight ends still have, you know, the, six to eight point week where it's like, Oh man, I only got six to eight from, from Kelsey this week. Obviously that's not like a, a, a frequent occurrence, but it's still something that I think is more frequent than when you look at, you know, the, the top, the top end wide receivers, like a Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson,
0: Jefferson. Yeah, definitely. Well, okay. So just for the sake of, uh, of kind of uh, giving us kind of a point of reference, um, because you're the best wall expert. Like I said, I, I don't play a lot of it and I don't have, I, I, used to, I, I used to play the MFL 10s. So I've played some Eliminators, stuff like that. I, I have one best ball dynasty league. It's the only one I've ever had. And it's full transactions. We do mm-hmm. weekly waivers, uh, trading, of course, yep. rookie drafts. Um, and it, so it's run by Bobby Koch. And uh, he even has a uh, an in-season component where you can steal from other people's taxi squads. So like, sounds like, some,
1: sounds like some John Bosch stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty
1: sure it started there.
0: Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, so it, it's like, it's kind of the, the max amount of, of activity that you're going to see. Just, in just, game. just without putting the wine up in as a Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the only thing we're not doing is setting lineups. Um, so but I'm not totally sure, like, since that's my frame of reference, like, I have no idea what a typical best ball looks like. What, like, what would be a good format for us to just kind of zero in on? Um, whether Um, I,
1: I, I would say the most common format of best ball is either no in season waivers or maybe like two or three, like one in week four, one in week eight, and one in week 12. Um, and then mo- like 95 to 98% of, of best ball leagues allow trading in season because people are like okay. trading, like we allowed to do it. Um, uh, so yeah, in terms of like the, the every man's best ball, they, they usually allow the trading and there's usually probably one to two waiver runs throughout the season.
0: Okay. Okay. And is it, um, how, how big are rosters typically?
1: So yeah, that's, uh, that's the biggest part about, um, when, when you try to compare redraft best ball and redraft dynasty, and I guess that, that's the case for redraft seasonal and, and dynasty seasonal as well, where like, so in a, in a redraft seasonal league, you usually have like 16 or 17 roster spots. And in a dynasty, you know, seasonal, you're usually at like 24 to 28 roster spots. So there is that increase from one to the other. Uh, and I think that's even, that's magnified in best ball when, with redraft best ball, it's typically 20. And in re and in dynasty best ball, most of mine are in the 28 to 30 range. Um, so you're you're allowed to build a full stable of things. And that that's where the depth component for the you know onesie positions, I know super flex, but even you know, quarterback and tight end, the, the quote unquote onesie positions, you can capitalize on building the depth there in dynasty more so than in redraft. So in 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 redraft best ball, you're trying to capitalize. Okay, I need to get as many as many running backs and wide receivers as possible. I only want to get you know two quarterbacks, two tight ends but in dynasty baseball when you have 28 30 8, 30 roster spots to work with it's a lot easier to sacrifice three or four quarterback spots that are all contributing each week and then three or four tight end spots that are all have a shot to contribute each week so i think the, the biggest thing when you look at the difference if if you you're if you're playing, playing baseball mania, if you're playing uh, you know redraft baseball leagues don't, don't take that aversion for, for a quarterback inside end in depth into the dynasty sphere, because it can be a huge asset once those roster spots increase.
0: Okay. I like it. So, the, and, and I think that we should kind of just use that as our North star here. Um, just kind of that type of format, um, because that, that makes, it, it makes sense. You know, you've got 30 roster spots. You don't need a bunch of, I mean, you know, waivers aren't going to be super active mm-hmm. anyways. So. You know, you can you can still have a few runs throughout the season, but it doesn't you don't need it every single week. Like there's not going to be, you know, there there aren't going to be very many players worth um, chasing on waivers anyways. So uh, so this feels like a good format to kind of focus in on. Um, So I'm curious about just your approach. If you had a, a best ball super flex startup in this format. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that there's not going to be a whole lot of uh, activity on waivers. Just kind of where yep. does the prep start for you?
1: So, um, if you went article searching on article articles I've written ten years ago, um, <laughs> one one of the, my biggest things in Superflex is overpaying for quarterbacks um, because I, I I don't necessarily agree with the quarterback extreme where you're like I, my biggest like people who are fooling themselves thing is like. I drafted six quarterbacks in the first six rounds like okay, good luck with that. Like, you know, you you aren't yeah. going to be able to compete with that because you're gonna have a bunch of scrubs at your running back and wide receivers. Right. Um, but what I do what I do when I'm in a superflex basketball league I I do spend two of my first three, two of my first four picks on the quarterback position because that allows me to, you know, we redraft it's common to hear about the the running back dead zone. Um where, you know, okay, this is the range of running backs that commonly bust, or range of running backs that are are not exciting to, to draft. In Superflex Dynasty, I think there's a quarterback dead zone in rounds like four to like seven where it, the, the common guys going in that range are guys who don't have long-term job security like Brian Tannehill or guys who are old like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Like there isn't that security of the guy who's going in the top three rounds like a Josh Allen or a... um uh, in quarterbacks right now. Yeah, uh, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, Patrick yeah. Holmes, all those guys. Those guys are going in the first two, uh, you know, those guys are in the first round. But, you know, the top two or three rounds worth of guys, those guys have that long-term job security, or at least as we're projecting it. In a four to seven, there's, there's, uh, I think it's social media, girls call it the ick. Like there's something in that rounds four to seven. <laughs> there's, there, there's something with the ick. Ryan Tannehill has Malik Willis behind him. Aaron Rodgers has like, constantly trying to retire behind them, Um, like th- there's, there's some sort of blemish on those quarterbacks. And then when we get into rounds like 10 through 20, I'm, I go back into investing in the quarterback position because I'm like, okay, these are all the guys, well, the guys in rounds four through seven have these blemishes in rounds 10 through 20. Those are the guys who will benefit from said four through seven blemishes. And so like, so I, I'm, I'm stacking up early in, in, in the first four rounds and then I'm stacking up late with a few quarterbacks, especially in best ball where you have the ample amount of, of draft of, uh, of uh roster positions um but you know taking those lottery ticket quarterbacks of like like a Gardner Minshew and like and especially in a league where you can trade in season like as soon as Jalen Hurts gets hurt or Jalen Hurts gets benched Gardner Minshew is going to be worth like a late first early second and you know if if you don't have a at quarterback it's something you could easily capitalize on
0: yeah do, so do you handcuff quarterbacks then
1: um it depends I I I, I would handcuff Quarterbacks that are high risk, like I mentioned, Jalen Hurts a few times, Aaron Rodgers, um, and Trey Lance probably at this point. But I don't really know what you would handcuff Trey Lance with because we don't really know who his 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 backup is yet. Yeah. But basically, the the quarterbacks that you perceive as high risk and have a low cost backup is probably where I'm I'm going when I'm trying to get those those backup quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you have like a number in mind of of quarterbacks that you want to come away with?
1: It 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 depends on on the the. format in terms of like the roster spots and so in best ball in best ball superflex i want to have three nfl starting quarterbacks and one backup and Mm -hmm. in traditional superflex i want two starter nfl starters and like one guy who has like potential like a a desmond ritter uh would be my third quarterback in the traditional superflex that's that's who i want uh, like a Desmond Ritter who has potential to start eventually, but you aren't relying on him to start immediately as your QB two. And then at QB four, I want like a developmental guy, like a Bailey zap or a Jordan love, or it's like, I'm not relying on this guy to ever happen with anything, but in case he does, he's on my roster.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> so yeah, quarterback extreme QBX originated right here on the Superflex super show. Uh, so the, the whole, like take five, six quarterbacks in the first five or six rounds, I call that quarterback after dark that's QB (laughs) triple X. That's like, that's too dirty for me. Um, I, I, I can't handle that. I think that you still need to, you, you know, you start early with quarterbacks just because it gives you the runway to get to the five NFL starters, uh, that you, that you ultimately want. But it's not. It's it's not. You basically have ten rounds to do it. Typically, ADP says you know the last starting quarterback goes around the tenth round, and it might be different, honestly, in best ball. Um, I'm not totally even.
1: No, sure. A- 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 ADP does not change much in best ball. Really? Okay. I guess my question there <laughs> is that it it does seem like you're if you're if you're getting five quarterbacks in the first ten rounds it does seem like you're probably taking a few of those quarterbacks in that four to seven range with those, you know, quote unquote blemishes. Are you less worried about those blemishes because, okay, I'm going to have three or four quarterbacks behind that Aaron Rodgers, who I'm not sure is a long-term solution.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that we're just kind of at that point. So the, the, the real goal, and, and this is, you know, this is in lineup leagues in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal is to be able to stream, quarterbacks within your roster since they're not on waivers so that's that's kind of the goal is to be able to have enough guys that you can say all right this is an open position every single week whoever's got the best matchup gets to start Um, and I, I mean you can you know there are other factors involved but you know and so you know when you're when you're when you're doing it that way I think that it's okay to have you know, it, it, some of those, some of those, you know, dead zone type of guys. Uh, I think it's okay to have a, you know, Ryan Tannehill and a Jameis Winston, because, um, you know, you're, you're not looking for weekly starts from those guys. You're just kind of trying to cherry pick matchups and you're taking, you know, the guys who have, like I said, the The best matchups and, and kind of what appeals to me about it for best ball purposes, I've had a lot of people ask me, do you, do you still go quarterback extreme in a best ball league? And again, I don't have a lot of experience with this, but I would, to me, if the goal is to, you know, when we're setting a lineup, we're trying to figure out which two quarterbacks have the the best matchup and have the highest floor for the week you know, it, it, it's that much easier in best ball when we don't have to get it right, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a benefit. There's an added benefit to it, which is, you know, we're going to get the, the two best scores from these five quarterbacks, and it's not always going to be Josh Allen. Sometimes it's going to be Davis Mills and Ryan Tannehill, randomly. You know, those mm-hmm. two getting a shootout, and all of a sudden, like those are your top scores for the week. Josh Allen's doesn't calculate. It, it makes it that much easier for people to, um, you know, to to navigate quarterback extreme and navigate, you know, figuring out, you know, which quarterbacks can I kind of piece together here to give myself that that flexibility in season when, again, you don't even have to get it right anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, f- from a from a short term slash redraft best balls perspective, that's what hurts the value of Kyler Murray and Josh Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes is that you can piecemeal together something close to them with a variation of three or four quarterbacks. And so if you have the roster spots to burn, like I said, I am I worry about the roster spots, the QBs, those, those lower end guys from a year-to-year perspective. I'm not worried about them from a week-to-week perspective. So like I'm perfectly fine having a Jameis Winston-Davis-Mills combo that'll probably have a similar type season to Kyler Murray. It'll just take the best week from each of them throughout the season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, but, it, but it seems like you kind of, I mean, honestly, like this is, this is close to QBX. I mean, um, you know, three quarterbacks, three starting quarterbacks, and then, you know, kind of a, a lotto ticket developmental, yeah. you know, kind of farming some points a little bit on your roster. So it's a, it, it it's, it's close. So, um, you know, it's, it, it I think that you're doing something fairly similar at quarterback, but what about the other positions? Like, do you have kind of a number in mind or does it, is it, does it depend more on uh, the names that you already have as it's, far it, as. It's,
1: it's more so about a floor. Like I have one baseball league that I've it's probably been around for six or seven years now. And I built through the wires. It, it's a one QB league. So I, I built through the wire super position. Don't put a ton of assets into QB, QB or tight end. Um, and so, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do a bit of like a robust RB, and and do as a minimal amount of running backs as possible, but high value ones. So, putting together a list of like four or five running backs that would all go in the first like seven or eight rounds of a redraft league, and that being it, and then stacking your roster with 14 wide receivers is kind of what my start my my you know long-term strategy looks like but that initially starts with not investing in the running back position in the startup and over the time in you know years two three and four you're building up that running back you know you know uh carousel i guess you're building that up over time as your wire receivers are getting older and more successful your young wires here specifically you're able to, you know, build with the running back position in, in later years. So I think that's the best way to build your, you know, dynasty best ball team over, you know, many years. Um, Mm -hmm. But it does take taking a beating a little bit in years one or two, as you're trying to build up that running back position, because, and especially as we talk about with like the limited transactions, if at all um, it is very uh, disheartening when, you know, you have, let's say a Jonathan Taylor type and, if he goes down in week four and you can't replace him with like a trade or trading a future pick and things like that, like that can certainly, you know, crush a team that you think was projected to go uh, first place, or second place finish and turn them into like a middle of the road team.
0: Yeah. So this, uh, so the super flex flywheel is, like I said, that's kind of the overall like roster build mm-hmm. that I'm t- typically going for in a super flex league. And again, that's, it's, it's for, you know, when we're setting lineups. So, um, but just to kind of give you an overview again, you know, five NFL starting quarterbacks in the first 10 rounds. Um, and, but we're really kind of going lean at wide receiver. And, you know, if, if there's no tight end premium, I really kind of throw them in. Just, I just say pass catchers. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy having, uh, you know, my, my top pass catcher being, you know, my tight end and my second best pass catcher being another tight end at, at uh, at a flex position, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine doing that. I'm also fine with a, you know, a, a stronger mix of wide receivers kind of making up the scoring for the tight ends. And then, but we're, it, we're really kind of looking for a, like a three to one ratio of running backs to wide receivers, sometimes even four to one. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder how much you would adjust that in a best ball league.
1: So yeah, doing more run. For me, in a baseball league, I, I would disagree with that because I just think yeah. that it, it's it's so much more difficult to manage on a year to year basis, having that large amount of running backs that you know so many running backs year to year disappear and and are never seen again, and mm-hmm. so it's harder to build up that depth o- over the long term with those running backs than it is with the wide receivers. Um, but I do think that. If you're talking about like a floor play, I think that having, you know, four X, the running backs to wide receivers is likely going to increase your, your weekly floor as opposed to, you know, relying on those, those big weeks from, from wide receivers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, let's, let's talk a little bit about just kind of like, not ne- uh, again, not necessarily names. I, you know, I've been saying here on the show for weeks now that to me, and this is, this is in all formats, I don't think that the names really matter if you've got the right mix, if you've got the right roster build, mm-hmm. if you've got the right number, and I think that, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely on uh, on your side of this as far as wide receivers. I think that we want more of them in best ball than we do when we're trying to set a lineup. I think we, you know, when when you set a lineup, you really kind of set it and forget it at wide receiver, but they really only give you like you know, typically eight wide receiver, one wide receiver, two, even type of games. Mm-hmm. There's some, uh, there's some pretty down you know, half the season. You're going to get down games from a lot of these guys. Um, unless you find, you know, this year's Devonte Adams, this year's Cooper cup, um, <clears throat> you know, but generally speaking, a lot of these guys are going to be you know, in, when you're setting a lineup, you set it and forget it. And you just hope that at least one of your wide receivers does something for the week, uh, to make up for the other one, odds are that it'll happen, but in a best ball league, it's just so much easier to find the guy who has that, that boom bust, you know, the or that has that boom week for you. And so, you know, you kind of want to take more shots at that. So, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I guess my, uh, what I'm wondering here is about like profiles of players. Cause like I said, I don't think that the names necessarily matter, but I'm like, just like the, the type of player that you're looking to roster, Um, especially when we're looking for depth.
1: Sure. My, my biggest thing, whether it's best ball seasonal, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. I am constantly looking for players that the dynasty community values less than the nfl so whether it's a player who just got a big contract that hasn't gotten a bump in value or a player who went in the second round of the nfl draft but went in the second round of rookie drafts like that's where i'm finding my value that's where i'm capitalizing on the difference between you know how dynasty value how the nfl that's how i'm getting you know uh you know more targets more carries things like that than the the average person while they're relying on top Tyler Algeier to, you know, become the Falcons RB1. Um, so, yeah, I, I think my my biggest strategy in best ball and in seasonal is just looking at how the – and I think that this is evolving. Like, I think if somebody said this on a podcast in 2014 or 2015, people be like, boo, the NFL is dumb. Why are you even talking about that? I think it, people are starting to realize that a lot of the time the NFL is smarter than us. Yes, there's some dumb play coming. Yes, there's, there's things like that. <laughs> Yes, there's taking Jordan Love in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, <laughs> but for the most part, if you just rely on the NFL, you're going to be successful more often than not.
0: Yeah. Uh, so because there's there is there's a lot of chatter out there. I know that you've, you've seen this all over the place on Twitter, but... Uh, you know, people will talk about, it, like Will Fuller has been a long time example of this. Deshaun Jackson has been a long time example of this. People will say, "Oh, he's better for best ball." You know, I would rather have him in best ball than, uh, than a lineup league. You know, and and there are kind of a lot of those players. We're really just talking about, you know, boom bust player, like, you know, no floor, high ceiling. Essentially, and I wonder how much you buy into that. I wonder, you know, I'm, I'm curious how much, uh, you know, how much more you would consider players like that in a best ball league than in a, a lineup league. And if you, if, if you really just, if it, you know, if you, if you value those players differently,
1: so I, I actually, it's, it's actually less often the Deshaun Jackson, the Wolf or that, that mm. isn't often the player that I'm boosting in best ball because they, yeah. they get that natural boost just from the chatter, just from, you know, the, the, the talk I'm more so in best ball and valuing the people in ambiguous situations, the, the, the running back that you aren't sure what kind of role he's going to have the, the wide receiver that is only getting targets that are 40 yards downfield, like, you know, trying to find guys that you are unsure what their role is going to be. And then pairing that with draft capital yeah. is how you're going to find those hidden gems in, in dynasty best ball. So I, I, in terms of like, like an archetype of, of player, it, it's the high draft capital stuff. Um, but also it is guys that, you know, aren't stuck behind, you know, elite players.
0: I want to ask you a couple questions here from Twitter and we might've, we might've covered some of this stuff. So, I mean, if any of it's redundant, feel free to just kind of brush a brush over it, but um, you know, kind of gloss over it, but Uh, I still want to make sure and ask these questions. I I I have the absolute best listeners. Like, and and it makes sense. I mean, this this you know this this type of strategizing. We're not talking player names when people just want to talk. They want to know. They want to be told who do I draft? Who's gonna? Who are the breakouts? Who are the values? Who do I need to avoid? Who's gonna bust? People want to know that type of thing. And we don't do that here. We're not talking names. We're talking strategy. And uh, you know, and, and so it's, it's, it's not for everyone. It's very much a thinking man's thinking persons. I'm sorry, ladies type of podcast uh, type of strategy. And uh, you know, it's, 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 but it attracts some very sharp dynasty players and super flex players. These guys always come with great questions. And uh, I'm going to start with Jason Asturita, um, who, yeah, just a master at coming up with with questions uh, every time I ask for those. Uh, so how do you approach the balance? This is, uh, this is a direct quote here mm-hmm. from Jason. This is his tweet. How do you approach the balance of quality and quantity, particularly in a super flex best ball setting, efficiency versus sheer numbers, I imagine there are many avenues to approach this, especially if we add the dynasty variable.
1: So yeah, so we've talked about it a little bit with talking about uh, you know the roster size. And the bigger the roster size, the more you can rely on quantity versus quality. If you're in a best ball league that has 20 or 24 roster spots, you don't have the quantity to make up for the quality. So therefore you have to be targeting the quality. Um, but I think that the the biggest component of it is just looking at you know the the positions that you can rely on that quantity versus the quality which i think for the most part is that quarterback and tight end position that you can get by with those two positions going heavy depth and then you know stacking up with those the higher premium players at running back and wide receiver so um in general when you're talking about uh quality versus quantity i want quantity but i want it in the right places
0: Love it. Yeah. Okay, so Josh Nims uh, also had a question for us here on Twitter. And uh, he says, what are your determining factors in deciding which players you select as a ceiling play? Uh, quarterback they're attached to, raw talent, volume, etc. And I know that you just kind of touched on this as well, um, just kind of ambiguous situations, but are there kind of other determining factors that yeah. you target? So,
1: yeah, so I mean, the biggest part is you want to get a piece, especially in this is actually one of the biggest like player parts of baseball, is that if you can find a good offense, you don't need to find the best player in that offense in order to be successful. Like uh, in the Patrick Mahomes in the last few years, like you didn't need to have Tyree kill. Yes. Tyree kill is better than Demarcus Robinson, but having Demarcus Robinson on your team was still good because he was probably getting you two or three startable week's a year. Um, so going to those elite offenses and finding those ancillary pieces, the third wide receiver, the second tight end, the, the third running back that catches passes, like finding the lower pieces on those big offenses. And that kind of goes back to the question of, uh, I mean, not exactly, but it's similar to the question of how, how good are we at projecting, you know, depth charts week to week, year to year? How good are we projecting offenses? Like, are we good, bad, somewhere in the middle? Like, I think that we're probably, you know, pretty, pretty good at this stage, just, following the elite quarterback play and rarely is that going to let us down outside of injuries so you know looking at you know the ancillary pieces of the chargers and the chiefs and um the buccaneers like looking at those guys like you know assuming he makes a roster like brashad perriman he'll have one or two startable weeks in a best ball and you might need a little bit more oomph than like one to two startable weeks we're talking dynasty and you know over the long haul but at the end of the day, if, if I can get one to two startable weeks out of my, you know, in a, in a thirty roster league, if I'm getting my twenty six to, to thirty ish, twenty four to thirty, if those guys are giving me one to two startable weeks, I think that I'm probably in a good position.
0: So, would you rather? Would you rather kind of diversify among you know all the, you know, good offenses in the league, um, those elite offenses, or would you prioritize stacking it all?
1: Um, I. I think that we have gone a little bit far with the stacking thing. Uh, I think that <laughs> the, the the big redraft tournaments have kind of bred that into us yeah. um, because, you know, t- back in the NFL 10 days, there was no like, oh, week 17 really matters. Like week 17 is the work, we're, we're worth the same as week 14, yeah. as week 12, as week nine. Um, but now there's so much value in that huge week. The person who scores 300 points in week 17 is going to win $2 million. Uh, and so – but that's not the case in baseball dynasty. Um, if you're in a baseball dynasty league that has playoffs, maybe it factors in a little bit more. Um, but most of my baseball leagues are total points or all play. There's no there's no playoff component to it, so I don't really care about stacking when there's no playoff component. If there's a playoff component, you can you can you know have a, a tinge you know of a of a lean. Like if you have Patrick Mahomes, you can go after you know Marquez Valdez Scantling. If you have Aaron Rodgers, you can go after Randall Cobb. But I don't, I don't necessarily value it as anything more than a tiebreaker in in best ball dynasty.
0: Okay, so you would probably, okay,
1: yeah. So, but it it it
0: sounds like you would you would rather just kind of take pieces from a bunch of different offenses. No, certainly. And
1: I like look look at it this way. Let's let's what's a bad offense right now? Um, Houston. So like I. I would rather have the chiefs wide receiver three than the Houston wide receiver two from like a best ball perspective. Even if I have the Houston QB one, you know, like I, I, I don't, that doesn't break any barriers to where like, I would rather have the guy who's going to get less volume or the guy who's going to have the lesser quarterback play.
0: I like it. Okay. So we, uh, we're, we're we're getting close on time here, um, and want to respect your time. I know you came straight home from work <laughs> just, and jumped on the podcast. Didn't even get to eat dinner. Um, really, really appreciate your time. What here's one thing that I've learned in my time doing fantasy dynasty superflex analysis is I you know I I I'm invited to guest on podcasts and you know there's usually scripted questions i didn't i didn't even give you that that benefit um but a lot of times you know because i i don't know about you when i'm out just in the world you know shopping um working whatever it is i'm kind of thinking about this stuff i'm thinking about the strategy i'm thinking about theory i'm thinking about things that i want to try i'm thinking about you know i kind of have those those you know, especially in the shower, those, those shower thought moments where it's just kind of like an epiphany a little bit. And you're just kind of like, man, I want to, I want to tease that out and I want to figure out a way to get this out into the universe. And then I go on these podcasts and there isn't really an opportunity to work it in there. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to tap into this wisdom that you have and the amount of thought Especially in, you know, ten years in the industry now, the amount of time that you've thought about best ball strategy, thought about best ball theory.
1: Too too many, too many, too much, too many minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not even possible. <laughs> Never. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in and, and you know, we're trying to capture as much of that as possible, but I mean, there's no way for me to know just kind of those those things that you've thought about, but haven't had the opportunity to, to really put out there. So what, what did we miss? What is there? Is there that we can uh, give to the listeners that they have not heard before? um, Or maybe even that you haven't said out loud before.
1: I I don't know if this fall, fall, under exactly what you're talking about, but I do think year over year, we're learning how much handcuffs, especially in best ball are not the play. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and in bestball leagues, you're typically trying to shoot for first place, shoot for second place. Um, like in a in a lineup league, in a in a league that has the playoffs, finishing fourth, fifth, sixth gets you a shot at the dance, gets you a ticket to the party. Whereas if there is no playoffs, there is no party. It's like you have to finish first or second, or it doesn't matter. Um, and so if you if your Jonathan Healer doesn't get hurt, it doesn't matter if your Jordan Wilkins scores you a few extra points. Your Phil Blunzy scores a few extra points. You're much better off trying to find someone else's handcuff, and that if and then you, if you have a healthy healthy Jonathan Taylor and someone else's healthy backup after an injury, that's going to increase your ceiling. So you want to increase your week to week ceiling and your overall ceiling. So I I rarely, if ever, handcuff uh, running backs in in Dynasty Best Ball just because I'm trying to um, increase my week to week ceiling, and also it it's such a roster clogger type thing to have a guy on your roster that you know is never going to start unless you're like big star running back gets hurt.
0: Yeah. This is something this is I I know what's happening right now. People are listening to this podcast, longtime listeners of the super show are listening to this and they're they're wondering when I'm gonna jump down your throat about this one because it's a it's a sore subject um but i mean to me in in best ball i think i'm with you like when it comes to when we're setting lineups it's kind of a different thing. like the the you know the the reason for handcuffing uh your starter is because you know if if you lose that starter you lose that running back one you need a way to set the lineup immediately it's not about you know, and, and and it very rarely happens that you know Dalvin Cook's injury coincides with Ezekiel Elliott's injury, and so the fact that I had I had Dalvin Cook and Tony Pollard all of a sudden, you know, it just works out perfectly, nice clean shit where you don't even have to wipe. Like it doesn't happen that way, um, but in best ball, this makes a lot more sense because you know if you have if you have Dalvin Cook and Tony Pollard. And Ezekiel Elliott gets hurt, all of a sudden, you know, you don't have to figure out a way to to get Tony Pollard into your lineup. So yeah, this this makes a lot more sense. This is why I'm totally fine with this. This is why Nathan and I aren't going at it over this one because I think that uh the, the just the best ball component. And, is-
1: and honestly, it if it is a playoff league, I'm much yeah. more in a playoff league, I'm much more willing to try and Play that game of getting the fourth, fifth, and sixth seed because that gets you you a chance at winning the championship. Mm -hmm. But without the playoffs, I think that in—I guess this could be the case. And I'm not sure how many like lineup setting leagues don't have playoffs. But if Mm -hmm. your lineup setting league don't don't have doesn't have playoffs, the same thought applies. Where it's like you're still you have to be the best or the second best or it doesn't matter, and therefore you know handcuffing is not as beneficial as, you know, increasing what hand camping does is increases your floor. It does not increase your ceiling whatsoever.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, I, 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 like I said, I, I, uh, I'm on board with this, you know, based on the kind of the settings. So, um, but that's something that I don't know if it gets talked about enough, you know, kind of the just the thought process and and differentiating between the settings like there's so much of this stuff kind of like I said with the players the boom bust players who are better quote-unquote better for best ball like these are all things that people just kind of say instinctively like they've just heard it so many times they've read it in so many tweets and now it just kind of comes out like without any any thought behind it and i think that it's important to to challenge stuff like that you know when it comes up and kind of think about all right so like when does this make sense when does this fit is this actually what we want to do do we actually want to prioritize deshaun jackson just because we don't have to set a lineup with him in it and you know i i i think that it's absolutely fair to come to the conclusion that this is this is what we should be doing in this particular format so i like this a lot um i like i said i want to i want to respect your time and get you out of here um so that you can uh go uh live the rest of your life but man (laughs) it took way too long for us to to cross paths but i can promise you this it's not going to be you know, five, six years before the next visit.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll get you, we'll get you on TradeCast soon.
0: That sounds good too. Yeah. I'm always down. Um, but in the meantime, I'm definitely going to, uh, have you, um, join the, uh, the rotation here of guests at the super flex super show. So.
1: Sounds good to me.
0: Yeah. It was a lot of fun, Nathan. Thank you very much. Nathan Powell at N Powell ff and, uh, yeah, the dynasty trade cast, and then the commissioner chronicles as well. Like I said at the top, Nathan's very well known for commissioning as well. Um, it just so happened that the topic of conversation again was strategy and particularly best ball strategy. But when it comes time to talk about commissioning a league and you know putting together bylaws and settings and uh, you know stuff like that, I uh, I definitely want to talk to Nathan about that again. And then at some point we're going to talk names. So, you know, we can can only hold off for so long on that part. So plenty to talk with you about in the future. So thanks again, Nathan. Let's wrap it up there for the week. And as we do that, ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, mega feed, Uh, then subscribe to the Superflex Super Show itself. Give me a rating and review if you would. It just helps me to get out to more people. Hit on more topics that are useful to you, my super friends. You can get at me on Twitter at Superflex Show, even better at Superflex Dude. I check that way more frequently. Uh, this episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Cthulhu. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and superflex.